Hello and welcome to Name on the Trophy, the Manchester United podcast and YouTube show with me, Dominic Booth. Manchester United are on a roll, seven wins on the bounce now. And to analyse the latest wins over Bournemouth and Everton, I'm joined by MEN football editor Supremo and the only man who in his career has been able to call himself both my boss and at another time my equal at work. It's Liam <laughs> Corliss. How are you, Liam? Yeah, very good, thank you. I thought you were going to say my boss and my friend for a second, but uh... no, no, not, not absolutely not. No, um, yeah, it's good to speak to you. Obviously, miss you at the MEN. Uh, coming here, doing you a favour, giving you a bit of bit of profile on it. Yeah, so good to get someone of Liam's immense profile uh, <laughs> on the pod. Um, Two thousand social media followers. I'm hoping to get Liam cat Liam's cats in the background <clears> as well <throat> if they make an appearance. But at the moment, it's just his uh, arty beers in the background. So. We'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, they're asleep, mate. So, well, hopefully it's not too interesting. We don't wake them up. Um, right. So we'll, we'll get on to United's. Um, we'll we'll talk about the latest two wins, basically Bournemouth and Everton. But in general, Liam, it's seven wins on the bounce now. Um, there's a lot, a lot of sort of excitement flying around United at the moment. It feels like, and I went to the last two games at Old Trafford. It seems like there's a good atmosphere among the fans as well. What? How excited can people get about this, do you think? And and how much praise does Ten Hag deserve for, for what he's done? I think the manager deserves a huge amount of praise. He's come in in the summer and obviously inherited a, a broken squad. And um, dressing room morale was very low. Um, obviously, he had that very poor start against Brentford and Brighton. Uh, you can't really look too much into that. And obviously, obviously they're, doing, they're doing really well now. They've won five since the World Cup. Um, they've won ten from the last eleven in all competitions. There has been some like very tentative title talk after the last league game, which is probably still a little bit premature. Um, but with with City and Arsenal to come, they'll be the acid test to see how far how far this team has come under Ten Hag. Yeah, th- these two wins, there's been a lot of positives, and obviously. Marcus Rashford's performances are probably like the standout positive and he seems to be just on absolute fire at the moment. I've talked about him on the podcast before, but what what sort of what notes of caution are there from those two games? And maybe particularly the Everton one where I think United struggled a little bit for fluency and in both games looked a bit shaky at the back. It looked like they could be got out at the other end. And obviously, like you say, with two such good sides to come, City and Arsenal, that's that is a bit of a concern. Yeah, I think they did. They've obviously kept clean sheets up until last night since the World Cup, so they have kept four clean sheets. But I guess De Gea kind of bailed them about out a bit against Bournemouth with a couple of good saves, and his error was like well, the reason they didn't keep a clean sheet yesterday. Um, I'd say maybe United need to land on a on a solid back four that they can consistently play with. There seems to have been a lot of chopping and changing um, since the World Cup. And I know some of that will be because of Varane and Martinez went to the final, so they had a little bit more time off than, than like maybe, obviously, like Maguire was back and Lindelof didn't go to the World Cup, Shaw was back. Um, I think in the next couple of games, I mean, obviously City is the, the game after the Charlton game. Uh, they just need to maybe land on, a, land on a settled back four. Yeah, it was the... The, pretty, the back four was pretty well set 
before the World Cup with Verano Martinez playing and Dallo firmly nailed down the right back spot. I guess left back was the only one maybe under under consideration between Shaw and Malassia, but recently we've had Wambasaka do fairly well. Dallo didn't yeah. truly convince me against Everton. Malassia, I I think he's behind Shaw, quite quite firmly behind Shaw if, if it's a shootout between those two. Is is that the the first choice back four still? Is there any questions about people coming in? I'm not sure. It's, it's quite interesting because the players that have kind of lost the place in the team have not necessarily lost the place in the team from playing bad. It's because of how well the players that have come in have done. So I don't think anyone expected Wan Bissaka to come in and play as well as he has done at right back since Christmas. I don't think anyone expected Luke Shaw to be a centre back and very effective at being one. Um, I'd say it's less the back the back four is less certain than it was before the World Cup, but I don't think it's because anyone's playing like excessively poorly. I do. I'd say the only the only one certainty in United's first choice defense is Varane playing at centre back. I think obviously Shaw's a certain starter, but now is it is it as a left back or is it as a left sided centre back? Yeah, so, that, uh, he seems to um he seems to sort of not change his performance too much he, w- whether he plays left centre back or left back he seems to be as commanding as as he can be in either position and I think even against Everton he was swapping positions in Malassia sometimes and bombing down the left and still having a bit of an influence going forward I just I guess that just shows his confidence at the moment. Yeah, I think he's a brilliant player. He's always been he's always been very good on the ball. Uh, I think. Ten Hag must be playing him at the left side of centre-back because he's a fairly similar profile player in terms of being left-footed, being good on the ball. Uh, to Martinez, uh, he was obviously kind of working his way back into the team after the World Cup. I think what it does also say, the way that Ten Hag's um, setting his defence up at the moment, it, it's, it's not looking positive for Harry Maguire. Uh, I think it's, it's looking like his time's... Uh, his days are numbered at the, at the club. Yeah, there was some complaints near where I was sitting uh, uh, during the Bournemouth game when Maguire and Lindelof were playing together. I, I don't know if they actually did that poorly. I, I think there's there's some there's sometimes a bit of an overreaction towards their performances, and I know they are like the second string duo now at the back, but uh, they're not a bad second choice duo, are they? Really, like, Maguire's not not as bad as a lot of people say, and Lindelof is. He's always been a fairly reliable, if not sort of elite performer for United. Yeah, and I think going forward, Lindelof will probably be more satisfied than Maguire with playing that kind of backup role, like third choice, fourth choice, come in for the cup games, play a few in the league. I don't think long-term Maguire's like, there's just too much stuff has got has happened around him for him to stay at the club like as a third choice, I would say. like It costs so much money. He's the club captain. There's just... It's kind of like it's obviously nowhere near like the magnitude of the Ronaldo side show, but whenever Maguire comes on, it's always like it's always a talking point, and it, it shouldn't really be that way. No, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. It's not like um, when Eric Bailly was the third, fourth cho- choice centre back, it was not really any debate over where, what whether he should be that because of his sort of fitness record and how erratic he could be. Um, where does Maguire end up? Do you think he stays in the Premier League long term? Do you think he? Does he do a Chris Smalling and go to Italy? I can see that that kind of thing working out for him. It doesn't seem to be anyone any suitors for him at the moment, but I don't mm. think that will happen till the summer anyway. Personally, yeah, I'm not sure where he ends up, but I think United have still got a good chance of 
recouping a decent amount of money. I mean, obviously they're not going to get anywhere near the 80 million he spent on him. But I'd say like he's still like a really good centre back. He had he did have a good World Cup. Like obviously proved Gareth Southgate wrong to 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 start uh, proved him right to to keep him in the squad and and start him in in every game. Um, and I think he's still got a good career ahead of him as a Premier League defender. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, another player who impressed in the World Cup and who is impressing so much at the moment is Marcus Rashford. It's felt in these last two games, Liam, like not it's not one man team territory, but there's a lot on Rashford's shoulders and he is producing a lot to get United the goals. And, you know, all three goals against Everton came from Rashford. He provided the assist for Anthony. He forced the own goal from Conor Cody and obviously scored the penalty. He's just like, yeah, he's, he's in a different category now of, of player to even a few months ago, isn't he, the way he's playing? Yeah, he's he's looked absolutely brilliant. I mean, I was so frustrated with his level last season because you know what he's capable of, and like it almost makes it more annoying when a good player is playing badly and when a then when an average player is playing badly because you know like you're so much better than this. And obviously that's what's happened this season. Like he's turned it on since the World Cup. Like every game he plays, you're just thinking he's going to score. He's going to score like literally, and he and he well he has scored in every single game since the World Cup. It looks so dangerous coming in off the left hand side. Um, I think he's. I think everyone that accepts that that's his best position now. He's he's not a central striker, but he is. He's a massive threat off the left, massive goal scoring threat, and uh, yeah, long may his good form continue. What do you think he said to Bruno when he took that penalty off him against Everton? Do you think that was to try and keep the the goal scoring run going? That's that's kind of what I thought it was. But maybe there's something deeper at play. Well, I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that. Was was it was Bruno setting up to take it himself? Yeah, yeah. I was in the Stratford end, and Bruno took the ball and was going to take it, and everyone sort of expected that to happen. As you know, Fernandez usually takes the penalties, but there's a little chat, and and Rashford took it, and obviously maybe to do with the confidence levels of the two players. But Fernandez himself needs a goal at the minute. He hasn't had one for for a wee while. Yeah, well, I think if your striker wants to take your penalties, I know it's kind of a cliche. Your striker should always take your penalties, but. You know, you can't not Rashford for having that confidence and obviously he touched it away pretty nicely. Uh, Bruno, I know his numbers, like a lot's been talked about in terms of his numbers not being as good as his first 18 months when he was just, you know, posting astronomical figures for goals and assists. But I think his role's kind of different now. He he was so integral to what well, wasn't, not, not a poor team, but a team that wasn't quite as balanced in terms of the quality in it. Whereas now the team is a lot more balanced so he doesn't have to take on such that kind of like talismanic role that it, that he was kind of that he was playing under Solskjaer in those first eighteen months. Yeah, it's a decent point. I suppose with him and Ericsson playing the roles they do, they they kind of both there to control the game for United, and then the goal scoring onus is on the likes of Rashford. But the goals aren't really coming from anywhere else in the forward line at the moment. I know Anthony got one against Everton, but. Again, speaking from being in the crowd, he seems he's he seems to be a player that fans are not sure about and that people think can do more. And it seems to frustrate supporters quite a lot with what he's doing. Do you, do you share that opinion? Yeah, I mean, I was I was kind of a doubter from the outset. Um, I'm not saying that you know I've been proved right, <clears throat> but I don't know if you remember. I took a lot of pelters for 
questioning his performance in his first game against Arsenal. Yeah. He, when he when he scored, um, I didn't think he played great that game, but obviously his first game, give him a lot of time, um, which is the point that I made at the time. Um I think he's obviously he's obviously got a lot of quality. Like you can tell how sharp he is. He's he's so agile, he's so skillful. I think he just needs to slow down a little bit. Like everything he th- he does when he gets the ball, he just seems to be doing so moving rapidly, like playing the playing the wrong pass, doing flicks that he doesn't need to do. And yeah, it's just just needs to take a little bit of time. And also a lot a lot a lot was made of his one footedness last night because there were a couple of counter attacks where he's obviously bombing down the right. Had Rashford on the left, like pulling in, and Martial, but because of his, he's so left-footed, he he can't arc the ball around with a right-footed pass. So he's like, he's stopping and he's coming back and he's maybe trying to play the ball with his left foot when it's when it's not necessarily on anymore. And that and I think that is an issue in terms of like the balance for the attack. Yeah, that lets defenders sort of get back. I thought when when he does chop back, and Dallow seemed to be a little bit frustrated at times. He was he was giving Anthony the ball, and Dal- and Anthony was almost cutting back towards where Dallow was and they were always occupying the same space at times. That was a little bit frustrating. Rashford doesn't do that because he can, he can go either way, despite being right-footed. Rashford has obviously got the pace that Anthony potentially doesn't have and maybe a bit more like variety in his game. Yeah, I mean, Rashford's not necessarily the, the most two-footed player, but you can clearly tell that's something he's working on. And he's, yeah, he's happy to go either way, like... Anthony always seems to favour that kind of cut inside and maybe try and get a shot away off the right wing. Whereas obviously Rashford, well, he, he can cut inside as we've seen. But then both of his goals yesterday came from from uh, going down the outside of the outside of the defender. And yeah, like that, that like like you said, you know, he's got he's probably got a little bit more variety than than Anthony at the moment. But look, then again, he is he is twenty five and, and Anthony's twenty two, so. Uh, Anthony new, new to the league as well, I suppose. I mean, he's not even had half a season really. When you think about the break, and he arrived a bit late and stuff like that. So, um, but is it right for fans to be getting on his on his back so soon? I, I I did just feel a few murmurs in the crowd, and I thought, I'm not sure this is right. I know hundred million euro price tag probably puts pressure on by itself, but the fans really need to be supporting him, in my view. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he doesn't decide the price tag, so it shouldn't really be, you know, that shouldn't be a reason for, for fans to air their frustration more at him. But obviously, that's the nature of, you know, that's what football fans are like, isn't it? Like, not all of them have that kind of, that balanced approach, like, and, and want to give the players a little bit more time. Um, yeah, uh, not sure. I'm not really sure what else to say about it other than, you know, he's he's very early in the league. You know, he has scored four goals. I know, I know, three of them came came very early on. Uh, and yesterday was his first goal since uh, was it the Everton game when and Ronaldo scored the winner. That was yeah. His, yeah his first, I know he had an injury before the World Cup and has been the World Cup. So maybe saying that he's not scored in three months probably sounds a lot worse than it is when he's probably only played a month's worth of games in that time. But um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think there's, there's still obviously. A massive amount of potential there, and yeah, I, I'm not writing him off by any by any means just yet. Yeah, it does feel like United just need a bit more from some of their other forward options uh, that aren't called Marcus Rashford. Anthony Martial continues to 
flattered to deceive, I think, in the number nine position. We've obviously got Jaden Sancho, who's not featured at all since the World Cup break, and I believe he's on his way back slowly and steadily. Garnacho looks raw, but exciting. I don't think Ten Hag really considers him a regular starter at this point. Um, and then you're down to sort of Alanga and people like that, Palistri, who's not even played. So it does feel like United need something from Sancho, Martial and or Anthony. Two of those three need to need to be on regular consistent form to, to match Rashford. Yeah, I mean, Martial, obviously Ten Hag does like him. Like, and it, it's kind of weird to think, was it last season when he was on loan at Seville? And like, yeah, and like, just didn't who, do anything and didn't even score. Did he? <laughs> score, did he score once in like sixteen games? Yeah, well, I don't know the exact figures, but I know it was a very underwhelming loan spell, and nobody really expected him to come back. And then Ten Hag kind of made it fairly clear early on that he was a big fan of him and that he was going to be part of his plans. And he is, he is an effective frontman. He just doesn't score enough goals. I know he's like, he's when he joined United in twenty fifteen, um, he's had two seasons where he scored over 15 goals and if you were in the number nine at Man United well, I know I know you wore the number 11 for a few years when Zlatan came in but you got to score a lot more goals than that uh, he had obviously a really good chance yesterday with that that counter-attack when Rashford uh, drove with the defence and played him in um, and yeah Pickford made the save a top striker uh, should really want to be scoring that, that chance um, as far as Sancho's concerned we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, so I wouldn't want to speculate. Uh, we know he's obviously got a lot of quality from his time at Dortmund. And Ten Hag's obviously shown that man management is one of his one of his main skills. Uh, he's revived Rashford. He has he has got um he has got Martial playing well again. Um he's got to hope with time, you know, he'll do the same with Sancho. Yeah, it'll look like an absolute masterstroke of man management, won't it? If Sancho does come back and he's a bit fitter and a bit sharper and he starts producing numbers, everyone will be, you know, praising Ten Hag and rightly so. And especially after the decision to, not the really decision to get rid of Ronaldo, but the, whatever happened with the Ronaldo situation with him eventually leaving, uh, it's, it's sort of like Ten Hag saying to Sancho, you're my man. And United aren't likely to sign a number nine now in January, despite all these millions of transfer stories that are coming out. So it is sort of needed on Sancho's shoulders to to step up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not sure I see him as a as a. He's not number nine, no. But central he's a, front man. He adds to the he adds to the options because United haven't got that many. That's one. That's the point I'm making, really. Yeah, he definitely adds to the pool, and obviously, if he comes back in, and he does really well on the left. That does kind of give you a bit more of an option to, to put Rashford through the middle because you don't feel like you're losing as much from taking Rashford, you know, off off the left wing. Um but yeah, United obviously need need goals from from other sources than Rashford. Um I'd be interested to see what they do uh, this month because they're not they're obviously not going to spend a massive amount. It feels like they might spend a massive amount in the summer um on a on a new striker because that is the glaring uh you know the glaring hole in the team where you know where they're missing that that you know that real world class player. Who'd you start against City in the front three, Liam? Uh, I'd probably just go Rashford, um, Martial, and and Anthony. Uh, obviously Rashford's a no brainer, and I think Martial is too. Um, 
given the lack of striking options. Um, and then on the other wing, what you're looking at um, Anthony or or Garnacho, and Garnacho is more more of a natural left sided forward. You know, he likes to cut in. You know, pretty much most wingers these days like like to play that inverted wingers when you got a left footer on the right and a right footer on the left. Um, and yeah, I think I think I would keep Anthony in the in the team. Probably would agree. I probably would agree. I I just had one idea that you could potentially put Bruno out to the right. Uh, and then pack the midfield with one extra sort of defensive-minded player, whether it be Fred or McTominay, and then play play Ericsson in, in that slightly more advanced position. But he doesn't really want to do that. He didn't. He never. Ten Hag never seems like he wants to do that. He always plays Ericsson and Fernandez ahead of one sitting uh, midfielder, doesn't he? he? It didn't really work against City at the Etihad. United got absolutely picked apart for doing it. But I just wonder whether a more pragmatic view would, to, would be to pack the midfield a bit. Maybe, but like you say, Ten Hag doesn't seem to like adapt his approach based on the teams he's playing. He seems to be like show his cards and my, you know, mine are better than yours. Like he seems to have that confidence in his team. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the difference between the last derby, um, United are obviously at home this time, which is a big, a big boost psychologically. You know, they'll have the support of the fans, um, and then I think United are a lot further ahead in the development than they were at the. At the Etihad Derby, I know, I know United had won four four on the bounce uh, going into that that game when they lost six three, and the, there was like a fair amount of optimism around it, and it was it was a massive reality check for how far you needed to go, how how far United needed to go um, <clears throat> to catch up with City. But I think, like I say, United are a lot better now than they were, and City aren't in in brilliant form themselves. So yeah, yeah you, it's definitely go. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say you, you couldn't really question Ten Hag if he if he went, you know, with an aggressive team like uh, an offensive team. I, I think he's, he's well within his rights to do that. It's a good time to play City, right? Uh, they they just seem to be struggling for a little bit of fluency. They look a little bit just just off the pace from where they were before the World Cup break. De Bruyne looks a bit out of sorts. Haaland's not had the best. I know he scored a couple, but he's not been in as, as blistering a form as he was before the break either. And with sort of City and Arsenal taking lumps out of each other a little bit in the title race and and competing for that, United can maybe slip into the that third place and just, you know, make top four their own with if they get four points in these two games against Arsenal and City, that'd be absolutely perfect, I think. Yeah, I've had a few that that is a question that's come up when I've spoken with my friends and like people who support United, like how many points would you take from those two games? A lot of them said two, which is like two two draws, like, and that that shows that United are making progress because they're taking points off what what who the teams who have been the two best in the league so far this season. I think two is good if if, if top four's uh, the aspiration, and that's what it still seems to be. But I think like if they did want to squeeze into that title race and you know get in the conversation for that, which which still like I say. It is premature until we've played those games, but if they get if they get four points from those two games, I think I think that would be an unbelievable return for United. Yeah, it's probably a little bit far off that kind of talk, and I think we were we were in a similar place under Solskjaer and in, in that sort of semi-title challenge that they had in in that COVID season, twenty twenty one. But I think this this side it'd probably be too soon for them and a top four position. 
especially given the calibre of the teams fighting for the top four, Liverpool and Spurs outside of it at the moment. I think that would be a, pr- a pretty good return for, for Ten Hag in his first season. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, um, I'm not getting carried away at all and thinking they, they will challenge for the title. I think they have too many periods in matches where they're not the dominant team. And I think, obviously, come back to the striker issue, they're not ruthless enough um, a lot of the time. And yeah, top four, like, I think even before the season, people were saying I wouldn't even be bothered about top four because it, because it was so bleak after the that Solskjaer Rangnick season when you know when everything just looked looked broken, didn't it? I think people were just saying I'm not bothered about the top four in the first season of Ten Hag. I just want to see some identity. I want to see some progress. And the fact that United kind of look looked nailed on for top four and the current form. I mean, I know anything anything can happen before between now and the end of the season. I think that speaks volumes for um for how well he's done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I was the one who I tweeted saying let him finish eighth in his first season, Ten Hag, because I it was during those times under Rangnick where United can buy a win and it just looked so disjointed and like you said, the whole club was was fragmented. But he actually has been a lot more pragmatic than that. He hasn't just come in idealistically. This is how I'm going to play. I know he has a certain sort of few cornerstones of his tactical style that he doesn't budge from but when he makes a sub like he brings on a centre back in the last 10 minutes to go five at the back or he takes off Ericsson brings on a more defensive midfielder he, he is sort of gunning for the results I think he know he knows that say a top four finish and, a, and winning a cup competition that would be an absolute storming first season wouldn't it yeah magnificent you can tell how serious he's he's, he's taking the cups He's he's he put out such a strong team last night. I know it's become like <clears throat> Premier League teams, not necessarily United, but Premier League teams. Some of them are, are generally criticised for how they approach the third round of the FA Cup. I know Newcastle is the most obvious example that springs to mind. Don't know how they'll approach it under the new ownership, but they used to be absolutely battered for always putting out like pretty weak teams in the FA Cup third round. Um, not necessarily saying that they would have had a, as much of a chance of United as of winning the of winning an FA Cup in previous years, but he has shown how, how serious he is taking it. And obviously, there's 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 another Cup quarter final to come next week against Charlton, and what a favourable draw that is. Um, they should win that at home, and then yeah, they'll have a they'll have, yeah, they'll be what the two legged semi final and a the Wembley final before hopefully ending a trophy drought that's been going on for far too long now. And you say favourable draw, but he probably Ten Hag probably won't even field that weaker side against Charlton. I can see, and I think Fernandez is suspended. Um, maybe one or two might might come in, the likes of potentially Fred Garnacho from the start. But it, it's not going to be complete second string against Charlton. Because I think Ten Hag realizes a semi final is quite a, quite a good thing on his CV at this point, and and maybe makes up for if United do come up short in a title race if they are even ever in a title race or just if they if they finish fourth even potentially outside the top four league cup makes up for that a little bit yeah yeah it would be a it's a, it's a thing that 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 people wanted Solskjaer to do wasn't it was was win that trophy and <clears throat> even though it they had the Europa League final in in a was the last 2021 now I guess um people are was saying that oh that'll prove that United are making progress like it doesn't it actually keep... prove it, does it? Though, yeah, but... yeah, that, that that's what I was gonna say. Like, whereas it, it feels a bit different under Ten Hag, it doesn't feel like he's just winning a trophy because he he wants that kind of monkey off his back. 
and then he can kick on and win something else. He he just wants to win, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. And I, I don't think yeah I, I don't think he will feel the weekend team. There might be a few changes, but there's four there's four days between uh, the Charlton game and the derby, and that that's more than enough given given United have been playing two games a week for the last three weeks. Yeah, I think over the course of the since the World Cup and maybe a couple of months before. United are justifiably the third or fourth best team in the country. And Ten Hag probably sees that and sees that they can go even even further and get better and thinks, well, we deserve a trophy. You know, there's no point in us shooting ourselves in the foot. We need to win an FA Cup, a League Cup. And like you say, it's not one of those Mourinho things where, oh, you know, if the team that wins the FA Cup goes on to win the league, it's just win a, win a cup. Mm. Yeah, United, like I know you said, since the World Cup, uh, they've been the third or fourth best team in the league. But I was also I was looking at um, just the results since the start of the season and discounting that, um, you know, the, the Brighton and and, um, and Brentford aberrations. They've only picked up three fewer points than Arsenal in since since that since that um, since those opening two games of the season. And I think that just shows how you know how, how well they're doing to keep keep pace with you know. Well, not necessarily keep pace, because it's still nine nine points behind them. But in terms of the form guide, like, yeah, they've they've picked up they put three points less than less than Arsenal in the last uh, last fifteen games, I think, which is which is pretty pretty special form. Yeah, probably the best team actually since the World Cup on form, and having won every game and only just conceded the first goals in that in that Everton game. Um, all right then. So next next week coming up, Liam, uh, Charlton and City. Uh, what's a an acceptable return, would you say, would be to obviously win the Charlton game without a hitch and just to get a point at home to City? I think I think uh, that's maybe the minimum you could want. Like, because you, you kind of look at Charlton and with no disrespect to them, that should be viewed as a banker. Um, do you agree? <laughs> it's a banker, yeah. It's just how, how... I think United will win come what may, but it's just how they win. I think they need to potentially win with a little bit of style and, and put down a marker, you know, three or four at least, given given how they've been beating teams before Charlton. Like, you know, they saw off Bournemouth and Forest and Everton quite easily, haven't they? So it needs to be it needs to be very convincing, I think. Yeah, well, as long as he gets to the semi-finals, I'll be happy with that. And then when it comes to the derby, <clears throat> obviously City tend to... Well, City, One flies City out the window, everyone always says. City show up most weeks, but they tend to show up in Derby. Uh, obviously, last seasons, I know, I know the Liverpool five 0 was, in terms of the scoreline, it was a it was a shocker for United. But a lot of people say that the City game was was even worse, even though they only lost two 0 because of just just how utterly dominant City were against United. Obviously, they they scored six in uh, in October, so you know it's it's, it's not going to be an easy game, but. I think United fans will be going into that thinking, given City don't look in the in the very best form at the moment, thinking they can, they can get a point out of the game, they can, they can get something out of the game. Yeah, and United obviously have those home results against Liverpool, Spurs and Arsenal this season to sort of keep in the back of their minds and and they know they can take points off these decent sides, that they, that things that they weren't doing last year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the record against the, the, the top six... It's pretty good. Like I know that those games were at home, and the game against Tottenham that people were were raving over that as if it was 
uh, one of the best United performances in years, and, and it probably was, to be honest, but I don't know what you can read into it, given how poor Tottenham were on the day. Um, beating Liverpool at that, that period of the season, I, I remember the, the mood around the club was so negative because that was the game after after the Brentford 4-0, and obviously we didn't know how, how much Liverpool were going to drop off this season at that point. And obviously inflicting the only defeat of Arsenal's uh, season so far. So yeah, United have been United have been good against the against the big teams, and I'm pretty sure they'll be quite confident of turning up and and like I say, get getting at least a point against City. Yeah, we'll have to see. It's going to be a, a, another big week for United. Uh, that's all we've got time for today. I need to do this because I keep forgetting to do this, but uh, name, name on the trophy is on Twitter, at on the trophy, and you can give us a like and a subscribe on your favourite podcast uh, platform. We are name on the trophy and on YouTube as well. Uh, Liam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, yeah, unique, in, Unique insight as always, and those beers look quite unique as well behind you <laughs> yeah I don't know what you want me to say to that I like drinking craft beer and I like football <laughs> such a lad such uh, a lad aren't you <laughs> oh yeah exactly oh yeah thanks very much I appreciate it uh, I would say let's do it again sometime but we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that front I think um, but thank you very much for to Liam and thank you very much to you for watching and listening uh, we'll be back with another episode of the name on the trophy United podcast very very soon cheers <laughs>